0: Hi guys, this is Fletch. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, May 14th. Uh, We've got a rainy day here in Omaha today, which is actually really nice. We were just talking about that. On occasion, I love a good rainy day. So I hope you are having a great day and um, I hope you had a good week. Uh, The only observation I have for this week, well, actually two things. I've already contradicted myself. First is, you know, part of the point of this podcast from the very beginning has been to connect people with others in the profession, those of us that believe working safely is important, um, and I think the point of that is just everyone needs to realize if you're having a bad week, if things haven't gone well, maybe you've maybe you've had you know, something bad at work has happened, and you know maybe the people that you're responsible for, just remember that you're not alone in this. I know that sometimes when things are going badly, you can feel a little isolated, you can feel a little despondent. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, in fact, and we realized, we were talking just a little bit of personal stuff, and we realized we shared some common issues from our past, and I think there is great comfort in knowing that we are not alone in some of this, so hopefully you had a great week, but if not, just realize that there are many of us who sympathize and understand, and you know, reach out to one of your colleagues. I I post um, email addresses for all of my guests on the website. Uh, if you want to reach out to one of them and commiserate or just get more information or something, feel free to do that. I, I know as a community of people, safety folks are some of the most generous people I've ever met with their time and their information and stuff like that. So you're not alone in this um, and uh, just keep listening and hopefully something will resonate with you. The other thing is really interesting. I just moments ago looked at a LinkedIn post from our good friend Eric Kahn who joined me for an episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the attorney out of D.C., friend of mine, um, he is constantly posting updates on the COVID issues. You know, OSHA is still talking about dropping an emergency temporary standard out. Um, and then the CDC just released this information yesterday about fully vaccinated people don't need to wear face coverings anywhere, indoors, outdoors. You know, there are some exceptions to that, and I think the exceptions Eric mentions in this most recent LinkedIn post um, specifically there are some state and local jurisdictions that will still require face coverings or social distancing in workplace settings. So so Eric's point is don't, don't get ahead of yourselves. I think there is reason to be um, uh, excited about this news, but uh, we need to be somewhat reserved and make sure that we don't get ahead of ourselves, all right? So check out Eric's post on LinkedIn. If you're not following him, you should be Or go to the Con May Sale website and check that out. Really interesting stuff. And it's going to be happening fast, it looks like. So um, stay on top of that. Um, Let's get to my guest. My guest today, Jason McMean. Um, We have actually known each other for quite a long time, and we just recently reconnected, um, which is awesome about this kind of safety community. It's a small community of people, and we all seem to cross paths all the time. Jason, you are like the sales manager or presidency or something no 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 no. (laughs) don't uh, don't get me in trouble already Doug (laughs) right come on we're trying to get you promoted um Impacto um it's a company that I've heard of but I'm not really familiar with so I'll First of all, it's good to see you again, yeah. man, and good um, to see you, we actually bumped into each other at the gym of all places, right. and uh, so I have someone that at least can testify that I've actually been to the gym in the last oh,
1: there. couple years. Oh, yeah. Um, and Showing it's, off, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Two pull-ups
0: last week. That's pretty impressive. Um, I would love to hear more about the company and what you're doing, but I think people, we were talking before we started the recording about your history and how you've... Come to find yourself in the position that you're in right now, and at one time, well, just tell the story, and I'll, uh, I'll, just,
1: I'll just shut up. Pretty but wild ride, I guess. It yeah. was.
0: A, it's been an interesting ride, man. I'm, yeah. I was been I was fascinated to hear it. So, tell well, us do a little. Let me to
1: tell you about Impacto first.
0: Well, tell us about Impacto. I know your boss would appreciate that. Right. Let's talk about Impacto, and then tell us how you got to Impacto.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's do so, that. So, um, Impacto is a company out of Canada, based out of Canada. We have and we manufacture. Basically, personal protective equipment for general industry, um, all industries, and specifically honing in on ergonomics. So uh, our claim to fame or what we started off in was anti-vibration type gloves. Um, so we've got that and, and um, other ergonomic gloves and and products that, mm-hmm. that would uh, cover just about any part of your body. Uh, to take care of like impact and anti vibration stuff. And then also we have other PPE related products that we also manufacture in Canada and US. Um some footwear accessories and some other things like we're out of Canada, so why wouldn't we produce ice traction? Yeah you know, things like that. Yeah, so uh but no what we're what we want to talk about today is more the safety related stuff. So the the anti vibration ergonomics side that's Really interesting to me. It's part of my job that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I mm-hmm. like getting into this. But yeah, so how did I get here? Um, yeah, start from the beginning. Well, not maybe not day well, one, but yeah, not day one. But I mean, I went to college with this with this vision that I'd do environmental law and uh, got a degree in biology, and a degree in political science, dual degrees. And but during that time, I started at the last couple of years. I started working for the Assistant Attorney General's Office down in Lincoln. Um, in the environmental prosecution department and uh um yeah i got to see kind of what being that kind of lawyer would be like and started questioning whether i wanted to do that it just Mm -hmm. didn't seem like it fit um Mm -hmm. i was telling doug earlier that you know i watched these big oil and gas company attorneys come in and i'm like oh i don't want to be one of those guys no offense but i just that doesn't fit me and then kind of looked at the other side and said i'm not too sure I want to uh, work for the government either, so that took me in another direction, and I uh, worked for the Nebraska Department of Health and NDEQ, kind of in a quasi uh, type of role where I did uh, water uh, water quality testing and uh, septic system type testing, and looked at um, all kinds of oh uh, like personal property related. More uh, environmental issues, and I did a little bit of work with localities and, and helping kind of train sheriffs and stuff on what to look at for for uh, environmental prosecution and things like that. And then, um, yeah, the the I wanted to work in private industry then, and decided uh, I wanted to do that. And I did. I was an EHS professional at a company called Brownie Manufacturing, which no longer exists because they sold out to Valmont in Waverly Nebraska and did that for a few years and then the world happened again and somebody bumped into me and said hey would you like to work for a company called Fuchs Machinery and in Omaha and I wanted to get back to Omaha and it sounded like a real exciting adventure to start a whole safety products division and uh, the company really wanted to take more of a technical approach to it Um, and not only just selling products but more from a Uh, technical aspect and I'm like yeah that sounds great that fits educational and that that's where we
0: first met I think you were with Fuchs and you were out we were doing the conference circuit yeah you and our good friend Jeff Springer yep and um good old Jeff and you were training and educating people on those those uh like the the products that Fuchs was involved with
1: right Uh, that was that was a lot of fun back then man I actually enjoyed those I mean we we got uh, the days at Fuchs were pretty interesting because we were more technical and it seems to be in my pattern. It's in my nature. So we did a lot of things like we would even did to the high-end ergonomics where we were doing lifting devices and, and manipulators, like semi-robotic stuff, even before, you know, anybody else was really doing it. We were kind of in there doing that. And then I, I also got involved in machine guarding then and still kind of do that today and some consulting capacity. And, yeah, so it's always been kind of technical. And then um, – uh i'll continue we didn't even talk about this part but i mean what (laughs) happened to me is that in 2008 2009 the the world kind of collapsed in the industrial world and uh um fuchs who i was working for basically reduced by half its size and Mm -hmm. it was getting really tough and and i was gonna have a decision i either had to take um a different role and and all kinds of things on and oh by the way for a lot less money you know those those Mm -hmm. things like paying bills and Mm-hmm. That came into play, and I decided to go do some things on my own and then worked um, with a guy named Doug Salmon, who my mm-hmm. people know. Absolutely. And I did uh, about four years of consulting work in the co-op world. So mm-hmm. I did OSHA, DOT, uh, EPA consulting for a lot of people in the, mm-hmm. the different co-ops, mm-hmm. which I loved. Yeah. Absolutely loved. That's a great industry, man. Yeah. And then uh, I kept uh, – um, The people at Fuchs um, had been bought out into a bigger company. They kept talking to me, and, of course, I kept in contact. Then they pulled me back um, by offering me a bigger role as a national uh, manager of their new division. They have a national company at Blackhawk. and uh, So I said, oh, that sounds exciting, a national type Mm -hmm. of approach. So Mm -hmm. I'll travel everywhere and talk to people about different things, and that was good. And mm-hmm. then that led to Impacto right now. Um, Fantastic, man. Just continues to evolve, but um, seems like it's weird sometimes. Sometimes in our life, just things come into it, and then you got to make a decision and mm-hmm. which path to take. And that's how I got here. And one of the reasons I did this Impacto world now is uh, I always wanted to stay kind of home and close to my kids and family as I grew up, and and so I never took those opportunities that were traveling all over or running a national type of thing and when this came along i was like hmm, both my kids are getting old and what else am i gonna do so so now <laughs> it's I took, an opportunity to do that right now. so i took on this role which i have the whole central region of the u.s from border to border and uh, about 13 states and then i have about somewhere around 12 other people who work for me jeff springer being one of them mm-hmm. um and i work with them across every Every state, just about in the central U.S., so I travel mm-hmm. from Texas to um, Minnesota and and mm-hmm. see a bunch of different customers and yeah, where all work's being done actually, right? Yeah, in yeah, the, exactly. The Midwest, so to speak. Oh, and that's that's exactly right. Um, it's it's amazing to see all the different companies and all the different people and. So you
0: serve all different industries. Yep, that's really interesting too. That's one of yeah. the things I love most about my role is the opportunity to just continue to see new things, think you know how things are made. It just yeah. fascinates me to this day. I walk into a new client, I'm like, "Wow." I just I just love that part of this job and then just the opportunity to interact with these people and um, problem solve a little bit. Well, so let's get to the impact. And when, when we first started talking about the possibility of you joining me, we talked about vibration right as a hazard and as as industrial hygienists, we both appreciate that vibration is an issue. I'm not sure that most people necessarily do that when they're doing their risk assessments or they're looking for hazards in their work environment. I'm not sure vibration is the first thing that comes to mind. Talk talk a little bit about vibration and the hazards of vibration.
1: So that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, acknowledging it first is 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 hard. Um, ergonomics in general. I'll just say ergonomics in general is probably the one thing that in a workplace is hard to put a. There it is, or mm-hmm. a, a specific thing, too. So so I acknowledge to everybody who has to do this day in, day out, it's hard for ergonomics. It's hard to pinpoint where it happens because it's all cumulative, right? So uh, let's talk about vibration. So we have some issues. It's I apply it to, like, we all know the hearing conservation program in and out. It's the same thing, just in a different form. Sound is a vibration that attacks our ears. Vibration that we're talking about, where we're holding on to something. That is attacking our, what it is is our blood vessels and our nerves, basically. And it's just, just like hearing conservation where it it isn't one incident. You know, it's not like a laceration where, oh, we got a cut, we got to send them to the hospital. We are now going, we are now going to put them in cut resistant gloves. No, it isn't that easy. Um, it's more like hearing conservation where, over time, um, we become, yeah, sensitized and damage occurs. So when you look at it, they, they, they call it HAVS, which is hand-arm vibration syndrome. That's the, that's the main thing that doctors and scientists have put on to vibration. And, and and what that ends up being is the loss of blood flow and nerve sensation in your fingertips um, and it'll end up, people generally call it like white finger or Raynaud syndrome. Mm-hmm. Those are the common terms, and and that's strictly from vibration. And then you can throw in the most severe part, and this is more of a, a key factor, and that's the carpal tunnel we're all used to. And so vibration is a key factor to, the, to carpal tunnel, but also just trauma day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Accumulation of that damage is what ends up, contributing to carpal tunnel so you have this cumulative trauma issue and then you have that vibration and they're they're kind of one of the same but they're different like vibration is um a constant type of of you know impact where it's just consistently like a like a tapping just tap Mm -hmm. tap tap Mm -hmm. tap tap that's vibration and there's some damage to that there's also the impact which is the force that's exerted So if you have something stronger and you're impacting your hands, um, that's more cumulative trauma. So they they kind of work together, but they're they're a little different. But anyway, that's the that's the hazards is out there. That's what we (laughs) need to address. Yeah. So the the problem is I go and talk to these sites, you know, and I'm with the safety person, and I'm talking to the employee, and and sometimes we're not even talking about vibration issues. Sometimes we have some other gloves and some other things, and I'll be like, hey. uh, so this grinding job you're doing here um so what are your issues with that and they're like oh you know this metal sharp and this and that and i'm like well okay but at the end of the day you know do you have fatigue issues oh yeah I have my hands hurt And i'm like mm-hmm. um what else and, you know and he goes what do you mean like they're numb
0: i'm, <laughs> no, like, I'm, I'm like yeah leading me to that Absolutely. that's what we're talking about
1: and right. and i think the safety director at the end and i won't i mean When we walked away, they're like, "Did you find out?" And I said, "Well, he has some cut issues, but he has this issue." And they're like, "Oh yeah." We after that, and I fall back up. It's not really addressed, and I I think the problem is the 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 employees today. Generally, there's there's like no way to hide a less laceration. I mean, you're gonna you have it. You got to take them to a to a doctor to get stitched up or whatever that is, but. They don't want to complain about the fact that they can't feel their fingertips at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the only time they complain about it is when they get too far and they're like, Yeah, so I decided I need carpal tunnel surgery. And then it's a sixty thousand dollar cost to the employer and somebody's affected for the rest of their life. And that's kind of, you know, you talk about Jeff. Jeff and I were talking a little bit about this and just kind of conversing. And he's like, you know, Jason, I have this, I have this tendonitis in my elbow. He goes, I hate it. Every day I hate it. And he goes, I can't get rid of it. I don't you know, I don't know what's from. And I'm like, Well, Jeff, that's that's like what these people have to go through after they've had all this damage over years, is that they get to like ten or fifteen years or sooner it can be instant. It just depends on the person and what's going on. But now their lives are impacted. You know, now they can't grip things very well or, or do things very well at home and, and maybe driving's hard because I got to grip the steering wheel or maybe they have Raynaud's syndrome, which is um, painful, especially during the winter. It can be really painful. Maybe they can't grip things or touch things anymore. All this is affecting life. So I think in the safety industry, we all want like our coworkers to be well. I mean, we right. just want them to, right. you know, and we all like each other. And so uh, – yeah, we all want them to be well, and I think sometimes we, we ignore that. And a lot of that it comes from the employees um, or the people doing the work not really wanting to say, I have an issue. They're really reluctant to bring that forward yeah. as,
0: as an issue because it yeah. seems maybe minor to them perhaps or maybe something that doesn't
1: warrant They don't want to be seen as a complainer. Sure, yeah. I mean, because there's, there's plenty of that that goes on and, and when you deal with people as, yeah. as, as we all have. You know, we we don't want to be seen that way, and so we don't want to cause trouble. In quotation mm. marks, so I think some people just, you know, and it's probably one of those things. It's like, oh well, Jim's got it too. It's it's just part of the job, right? right. Well, it's not. <clears throat> that that is a huge problem. I believe that whole part of the job mentality.
0: <clears throat> this is what you know. This is what is entailed in this work, and this is typical. As you said, my coworkers struggle with the same thing, so this is it. This is what I'm destined to be plagued with. You know, the first time I really saw this, I was a compliance officer with OSHA back in the 90s. And I was down um, at a, a ham processing facility in southeast Nebraska. And I was in the break room, and they had these vats full of hot wax. The employees who would be removing bones from the hams eight hours a day, they would stand at a workstation. They would be cutting the bone out of the ham. These guys were referred to as boners. Okay, that was their job title. And, you know, they would come in in the morning with that stiffness, that wrist and hand stiffness, and they would just basically immerse their hands in that warm, hot wax, let it form around their hands and wrist you know enjoy a little bit of relief because of the warmth of that wax and then peel it off and go to work and i watched that going what the hell is that and you know the safety guy at this plant will said well that's you know they all come in pretty stiff from the day before that's how they loosen their wrists i'm mean, just like this this cannot be but you know as you've described these are kind of insidious things man it's not like falling off of a roof and splatting on the ground or it's not like cutting yourself you know, when you talk about these ergonomic issues or these very slow cumulative issues, noise, vibration, um, these things are the things that people typically don't identify as the hazards in their workplace. Yeah. So what kind of jobs, you, I mean, you mentioned now, let, let me go back to, we yeah. Pe- yeah.
1: people don't, we in the U.S. don't. It's an official law in Canada, Europe, Australia. Oh, so in those areas, oh, I didn't know that. Well, and that's where the ANSI standard came from, mm-hmm. was from of uh, the some of the like OSHA type laws. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, you know, like our 1910 laws. If you go to Canada, uh, Europe, Australia, they they really this is a citable offense. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And but in the U.S., it's interesting because, and I'll I'll get into this. We're kind of getting away from things, but I do sometimes just get a little aggravated by this but you know if we look at like eye protection there's nothing in there's no regulation about eye protection it refers to an ANSI standard mm-hmm. great so it's PP it's within the PP standard and we then we refer to the ANSI for impact right well there's an ANSI standard for anti-vibration gloves but we don't even address that when we look at hazards in our workplace, mm-hmm. really. I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably some that do, and I should mm-hmm. give them credit. And I work with some of them. yeah. Um, but there's some people that just don't even do that. And I think the people like, Doug, you've worked for OSHA, you know. I mean, why do we ignore that ANSI standard, but then take on ANSI standards like hard hats and eye protection, and we're like, oh, is that got the Z standard for impact? Do we make sure that mm-hmm. that safety class is, oh, and is that hard hat – you know, I mean, we have some details there that inspectors or people really go after. Mm-hmm. But we kind of ignore the ANSI standard for anti-vibration. I think it's because it's that ergonomics thing where, where we look at ergonomics as a whole in the industry and kind of put our hands up like, well, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy fix. I can't just throw on a pair of safety glasses. Right. I mean, the whole process... When you look at it, it's 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 the same safety process. Can I engineer it out? Can I can I create a different process? Oh, I can't do either of those. Okay, let's then we got to look at personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. But following that same hierarchy that we yeah. would use in any other analysis. Yeah. But I think is when we get to that personal protective equipment, um, we kind of fall off. And I think one of the reasons is it's just not it, it's just not anything like eye protection or. Or hard hats, or you know uh, anything like that, where we really know the ANSI standard and we really understand that this is what has to be worn. Mm-hmm. So that leads to
0: that's a great that's a great comment, man. Is it is it because of some kind of um, just political lobbying on the part of industry? I mean, has industry resisted this to some degree, or is it just or just a, a lack of awareness maybe on the part of the regulators?
1: I think it's a lack of awareness, and on, not only in on regulators but also the the safety industry in general. But also, it's again one of those ergonomic things. You know, like hey, we all like to teach everybody how to lift properly, but it, but that doesn't that's like changing a whole behavior, and it, and it may not happen. And and then you might teach somebody to lift properly, standing straight up and down, and then they turn and twist their body and put a box, and they th- you know they, they do the worst thing possible ergonomically. Right. But we didn't train them about that. You know. So some of it is it's ergonomics and that's a hard thing to wrap your hands mm-hmm. around but in general we there are stuff out there there is products out there there is PPE that can help okay and that's and that's where it is and when you look at some of the studies or some of the people that talk about it over in like Europe and other things they think of PPE as part of the solution like yes you're going to change the process where you're going to have people Mm time-limited for how much they do this job. Or you're going to have the lowest vibration tool use that you can. But then you know that you can't take it completely out, so we're going to throw this process in there. Oh, well, this doesn't work completely, so we're also going to put some personal protective on somebody's hands. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, like, um, one of the things that's truly helpful is keeping a hand warm for carpal, especially for carpal Mm -hmm. tunnel. Um, So that, you know there are there are different products out there that can help that. Okay. The only problem is then we get into will people use them, wear them, all that stuff. And that's where it gets a little difficult because yeah. you're you're causing change, you're asking somebody to do something a little bit different. And even though it benefits them, mm. they may not they may not want to do it. Yeah, change is difficult for
0: everyone. Yeah. That I. So yeah. when you do these analyses, when you when you are in a facility working with a client. Are you offering them suggestions about engineering, administrative controls, as well
1: as the PPE? You're giving them the whole package. As part of my job, yeah, I'll tell mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is. I mean, as part as what I see is what I do personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm when I go talk to people, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I've just. And I don't want to put light on this, but I don't want to just be the sales guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just of throw course, out my man. stuff and say use this. Right. Because that's not who I am, and I don't think – I think a lot of the professionals out there in my field aren't like that. They they would really say it if they came in there and they saw somebody was, you know, using uh, a certain saw or something wrong, you know, we would point that out like, well, you know, that's – this glove would help, but really you need to look at this process because mm-hmm. I think you've got – I think you're using a wrong thing here or – um you know, I think you could change, or have you thought about switching people out so they're not grinding all day long Eight or, hours a day or, yeah, whatever. and they're not mm-hmm. doing that? So, yeah, we, I, I do that just because I, I feel like that way I'm invited back mm-hmm. if I'm helpful. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that sometimes I know that our, our products aren't going to be applicable, they just, they just may not fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good to hear you say that, man. And I knew that going in, that I didn't surprise me a bit, but, as a problem solver who's brought in to help them solve these problems, your solutions may very well be part of that recommendation, but they may not be. And I think, I don't know that that's always true. I think some people want to sell first and they pr- maybe solve problems as, you know, just a after effect perhaps or, you know. And and most everyone is turned off by that. So much like you. Well, and, and, some, and yeah, of that, I mean, some of
1: that, Doug, could be my background because. Mm-hmm. Some people are just, hey, go, go. you hear some products, go talk to people about it. Well, I'm a little bit different, as you can tell mm-hmm. with my background. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I've been there. I've mm-hmm. done that. I've done consulting. I mean, I understand the the pain that, mm-hmm. that the person I'm talking to is going through. You know, I understand their day-to-day. So it's real easy for me to, to look at what they're doing. I know what they're doing. You know, I understand that if they're, you know, uh, I ran into one that was new, which was a painting application. I'm like, uh, they're like, yeah, we're having troubles with our our liquid paint. And I'm like, really? Okay, I don't understand. It's not grinding. It's not, you know, air tools. It's not Mm -hmm. the common things. Then I looked at the metal, solid metal nozzle they're using, forced through uh, a pneumatic type of system. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh. I bet the vibration's really bad all day And they're, and they're forced to have it all day long. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, are they like using, like pulling some kind of a trigger or yep. something? And so they have those that?
1: metal triggers and mm-hmm. they're spraying all day long. And so that was a really unique thing. But one thing that, that, interesting. so I, when I looked at that, I said, well, I don't know if we have a glove for that, but have you thought about, we have another, we, so we use a polymer. Uh, this will get into a little bit of the technical mm-hmm. stuff so there's some some variety of ways that you can knock down vibration there's some polymers out there that are used and uh one of ours is a viscoelastic polymer so basically like a semi-liquid semi-solid mm-hmm. that that absorbs things and then it's come back in the shape um well we make that in strips that you can go ahead and put onto the tool oh. so let's say let's say you don't because, have you know you know like uh for painting there's no reason to put a glove on them necessarily because they are they're going to be switching out their nitro gloves or whatever they're switching out all the time so we just said well why don't we just well we this is a bad this is a bad tool design is what kind of what i said right let's just put some some grip on this and some some um, material in this that'll knock down the vibration and in the spot that's needed so and so far it's worked i love that idea so sometimes, yeah, we get in a situation where it's not so, the it's not the hand we're trying to prevent or protect mm-hmm. necessarily, but we can also uh, do address some it tool. right at the source. Yeah. So John Deere, we did it too. I, I work a lot with the guys that got John Deere, and we did some tool stuff where it's like, yeah, you're switching now. <laughs> you're doing seven different jobs. Um. If I throw a you know, anti vibration glove on you, it's going to make it weird to do some of those other tasks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? What if we put a tool wrap on this tool, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that's really interesting." And then we did it, and uh, yeah, that's what they—that's how they've been doing it ever since. So, so yeah, I look at the whole situation, mm-hmm. and I'll talk them through everything, and and really talk about, well, how do we keep these? How do we keep this, you know, minimal injury now from getting to the surgery mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. you know? And then, of course, how I, I've got to value myself, so then I'm like, I want to keep you at. So, you know, spending hundreds of dollars on this to try to prevent it from getting to the $65,000 right. surgery point of view. Right. Um, unfortunately, in business, we look at it that way. But then, you know, you and I also look at it as, well, this person, we want to make sure that they go home. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years from now that they're relatively... Mm-hmm. Protected so that their life not too worse for the wear. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I mean, that's a, but I mean, in order to sometimes these concepts have to be sold with a dollar amount. I mean, there yeah. has to be a cost benefit discussion, particularly when you're talking to the CFOs, managers, whomever. They have to, you know, they have to, you know, they're they're going to attribute a dollar amount to it. And so this this kind of uh, this preventive approach, this uh, you know, early intervention strategy, where you know we have an issue maybe we maybe we're starting to have some tingling or numbness or something but we can intervene with some of these products to keep it from exacerbating and uh, save a lot of money down the home stretch not to mention you know like you said the quality of life for the individuals what kind of what kind of i mean is every mechanical task must have vibration yeah
1: so you have a lot of things that are worse and not so bad What's, you know Like, I see the jackhammer guys. Yeah, you think about that, but also think about the jackhammer guys. They may only be doing that for a limited amount of time. Okay. I I don't So that duration has a
0: lot to do with it, obviously. Yeah,
1: so duration has a lot to do with it. Now, that is an extreme vibration Mm -hmm. and obviously a a hazard. So you'd think of it like for that task that day, they should be wearing um, some type of protection. And... Um, that's an easy one. You know, that's an easy, that's Mm -hmm. like, well, of course. Um, now does it, is it happening everywhere where they're using protection? Probably not. Honestly, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if it's not addressed, um, then it's, it's, it just goes on without thinking of it. Just grab that, do this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to take you a half hour to break that up and then you're done. Right. Well, so having a you know, anti-vibration glove handy for somebody to throw it on and, and use is probably a good thing, but mm-hmm. in reality, it doesn't always happen. But but the the tasks that are cumulative are the people that are using air-driven tools mm-hmm. and you know grinding, sanding, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is notorious for for okay. causing vibration issues. Um, and then you look at things like. Uh, Oh a good example is the foundry work they use the thing called a needle a needle scaler and they knock so they knock off the pieces of metal well it's this basic pneumatic hammer they're holding on mm-hmm. to and so that kind of air driven force creates so much vibration
0: and they and do that all throughout yep. the day that's yep. not that's interesting do right you, so can you feel the difference
1: oh absolutely
0: i mean as a user yep. if i was using the product i would feel a difference in yep.
1: You will feel it instantly. No shit. And some not. of our some of our products are, are different than others. Um, we have a an air bladder system. And it's going to sound weird, but mm-hmm. it's our bubble glove. Mm-hmm. And think of it as like an industrial bubble wrap, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, it works the best because air is the best attenuator of vibration, whether it's sound or like if we had something in here and we had air curtain between you and I, uh, where i got headsets on, you can't hear it. But anyway, <laughs> you couldn't hear me. But it you, wouldn't you, pass through that. It no. Would, it would dampen no. that. No, and, you know, we have, in our walls, we use air as insulation mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that because it's a really good uh, attenuator of vibration. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we have those types of products now. The, the bubble glove is about somewhere around 60% knockdown mm-hmm. value. And then our, our viscoelastic polymer, which uh, the brand names, like the Ford and brand names are Visclus and sorbethane mm-hmm. those are kind of known in somewhat um but those are a polymer and they knock on about 20% or so and uh both have have good effects um mm-hmm. definitely when you're wearing the our bubble glove and you grab a tool it's like oh that's way different than it was before interesting um, I'd love to try that sometime, yeah. man. That, yeah, that sounds really interesting to me. I'll I'll uh you should try it. and and then I we've had success obviously out in the I mean I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I had carpal tunnel, it was horrible, then I threw on your gloves and I wear them ever since. And I, you know, I don't notice the pain anymore and it's just so unfortunately just like in the safety industry huh, it rules, regulations, whatever we do is driven by injuries so often we're coming in hey we've had a rash of carpal tunnels can you come help us it's like yeah i wish i would have been here two years ago (laughs) right right?" very reactive that's right unfortunately the nature of it sometimes yeah so i get the people who come up and say to me like oh after i did this and now i use your products and this is great and you know i wish i would have used it before well so
0: how do we get them to do it before i mean obviously that's what you do every day you're trying to inform and educate and you know introduce people to these technologies how to I I have to be honest man I I, I'm aware of vibration as a hazard but when I do my walkthroughs you know every my walkthroughs tend to be very OSHA like Mm -hmm. and um, vibration unless it's incredibly obvious rarely comes into it but that's going to change because I work with a lot of clients that are working with mechanical equipment with tools with pneumatics yeah, and uh, I'm going to look at it differently, man. That's really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, so Doug, in my past too, when I was a safety director, and even in some of my past, I saw it, but I didn't really recognize it, you know. Mm-hmm. And some of the issues are again, if we go back to ergonomics. I mean, as you talk about safety professionals, we're like, well, you know, carpal tunnel. It's it's somewhat. Do you smoke? Is it hereditary? You know, um, what are you doing outside of work? Uh, How much time do you spend on your phone doing certain things and dexterity, basically cumulative trauma events outside of work? And so we kind of point to that and say, well, I don't know what to do because all this stuff happens outside of work. You know, I mean... There's some of that in the ergonomic world. Like, uh, for example, when I was a safety director, it was funny. I had a guy come in and say, "Ah, oh, I hurt my shoulder doing work." And it's Monday morning. I'm like, "Okay, you know," <laughs> and then I'm talking and and uh, I'm talking around to some of the guys. I'm like, "Yeah, Jim hurt his shoulder. I don't know how." You know, they're like, "Hey," they pulled me aside. Hey, hey. Um. So, Jim was riding broncs over the weekend at the rodeo. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I think that's sometimes how we approach ergonomics is that, well, maybe it's something that happened outside of work. Yeah, Yeah. it's not here. And I think that the point that I want to drive home to the people I talk to is, okay, so I'm not, so let's say that this workplace isn't the the total cause. And let's say I'm not the total solution but it's a piece and a part of it. Mm -hmm. And if we can try to extend that or enhance that life, um, not only in like real life, but think about it in the world of production. We know that vibration, um, and ergonomic injuries cause people to be less productive by the end of the day because they have that numbness. They have that. They're shaking their hands a lot or they're, or they're trying to warm up their hands because they've lost Mm -hmm. circulation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they've lost a productive uh, use of their tool. And we don't treat it like a tool. Heck, if it were a machine, we'd be PMing it to death, you mm-hmm. know, trying to keep exactly. it up to date and running a hundred percent. We don't treat people like that. We don't. We don't That's say it. we point, don't. Man. We don't PM people. Mm-hmm. But if we did, we'd look at this. We'd look at this a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how do we keep this person performing long term the best possible way? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And and so then we we probably would put. Um, an anti-impact or, or 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 anti-vibration glove in certain circumstances, depending upon what they're doing, on that person. If we treated them like that, mm-hmm. if we said if we looked at them an AR day, and we said, okay, the first four hours they did work this good and you know this fast and this much, mm-hmm. and then the last two hours they were you know whoa, what happened? Mm-hmm. We would we would analyze and really
0: narrow down. I think we're going to see that with the onset of some of these wearable technologies that are yeah. measuring some of those things, and we will actually have objective data to show that, you know, you were very productive for the first two hours, and I can see this dramatic decrease in productivity based on those fatigues and stressors and things. I think that's yeah. going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm really curious. I'm not sure I'm going to live to see it, but I'm really curious where the, you know these smart factories <laughs> and these wearable technologies. I was just... You know, I, I got. I hate to admit, I even do LinkedIn because it's so embarrassing. But I, I was reading a post by a guy that was talking about you know some of these um, smart um, air monitors. You know, they are uh, just monitoring different chemicals, much like the foregas meters we've used throughout you know the last fifty years or whatever for entries and things like right. that. But this is this is re this is re um, pushing information out to a cloud somewhere so that it can be monitored and so. You know, loan workers can be monitored or we can even just generate data about those exposures, things like that. I just think, man, it's really fascinating. I'm just not going to be around to see a lot of it. <laughs> I don't think, you know, not, no. not that I'm going anywhere, but man, there is an end to all of this, I'm sure, at some
1: point. Now, we're a little bit behind in the U.S. on the vibration stuff compared to That's really interesting, they, too. Because uh, if you look at some of the, if you get out there and look at some of the things they talk about, like even the OSHA people there are government <laughs> agencies will come in and do like vibration analysis of certain tools and if you're not following it they'll they'll cite you know they'll find you right there in the spot um so there are i would i'm not i don't work there or do that but i assume that they would probably hire consulting companies to come in and and take analysis of the vibration and they have just like air monitoring they have like mm-hmm. time weight average i mean it's all kind of yeah, broken down like that. Interesting. Um, and then they have certain levels. I mean, if you look at some of the standards, it's so different
0: frequencies. You can be. I mean, does it? Is, it, is that is like, some it, of like that. hearing? I mean, or is it? Is yep. it a variable based on the frequency of vibration that you're exposed to?
1: Yeah, Doug. I wish I knew more about the ins and outs of that. I That's just know really what happens. Stuff. And I know that low frequency ends up being more damaging than mm-hmm. high frequency. I've heard that. In, in well, vibration. isn't that kind of like the
0: truck driver syndrome? You know, back before there were these air ride cabs and stuff, truck drivers were basically just disintegrating yeah. themselves yeah. because of that low there's frequency that, vibration.
1: There's that study out there about whole body vibration that, that is kind of a, it's, it's getting studied a lot mm-hmm. because of of that kind of situation. Uh, the over the road guys, the guys on forklifts, guys on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, guys sitting all day long on a piece of equipment that is mm-hmm. vibrating right. a lot. Your body is reacting to it, whether you feel it or not. Your body is taking some of that, absolutely uh, absorbing it. So all, all the all road that. guys, the yeah.
0: paving guys, the guys running those, um, yeah milling machines and things that's just vibration constantly
1: right so we we've looked at some of our stuff actually um we're having some testing done on on some of our we have have a series of air belts and and the old day of back supports which you know that's what everybody thinks about with ergonomics and that's kind of bad because Mm -hmm. it's a really poor example of what true ergonomic ppe should be Mm -hmm. but um but we do have some some of those because that's kind of of us in the industry, and we got to offer that. We have one system we're actually looking at that uses a, a system of air bladders similar to our, our, our gloves, and we're finding that it's taking out some of the vibration that goes through at least the lower back and up through the back. And, of course, we offer some different seats with different polymers mm-hmm. and things you can add to. I'd throw it in my truck when I mm-hmm. drive. 'cause I'd Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask. Mean, and about that's that, a man. that's a personal that's see that's a personal thing. I I so I had a problem with sciatica mm-hmm. a while ago, and it's like, oh yeah, you drive sometimes eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you I'd go from Minnesota
0: to, to Texas. Texas.
1: <laughs> right. Luckily, I fly to Texas, but other mm-hmm. than that, I'm driving. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, so I'm driving four or five hours to get from diff- to different locations, and of course, I do the I do the thing too. Like, I wish I could engineer it out. But I really can't change a truck or a car. But I can get out every hour and a half, which I started to do more regularly. <laughs> of course, I did it after I started having issues. Mm-hmm. But I, So I do that where I'm not keeping my body in that position. And I'm like, well, I'm going to add a type of product that I'm sitting on. So I've mm-hmm. added one of ours that takes – it's an vibration, But actually what it just does is – I can switch it around and do things and take some of the shock out of it, mm-hmm. absorb some of the things, and then creates a different pressure points. Yeah, when I when I do it. So yeah, I even in, in my own world. Yeah,
0: I I did it, but that's fascinating to me because I drive much like you, man. I drive all the time. You know, I turned in a lease a few months ago. I think I was over my mileage limit by like forty eight thousand miles, I think. <laughs> and policing was not a good strategy for a safety consultant, apparently. You know, I think my, my the you know, my penalty was more than buying the next car, right. you know. I was like, Oh shit. But it does wear on my back. And the things that I find, I drive five hours to a facility and then I stand on a concrete slab in their mm-hmm. facility for eight hours wearing steel toed boots. Right. And then I get back in the car to drive home, and when I get home, I, it's two days. I can barely walk, man.
1: I know it is a bitch. So then, so then, figure out if you're that guy working does eight that hours every a day. day, every day. So we do things like that. That join in. We do. We do kind of look at the whole ergonomics. We have a series of insoles, product two, and things like that because we look at the back and, mm-hmm. and and other things, and and so. Um, when I go do like product shows and things where we're standing all day long, yeah, I throw in insoles and other mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, if you're on concrete floor, um heck John i mean we i mean i I was thinking John and, uh are the guy we know at the gym mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean he always talks about everything starts at the feet, mm-hmm. you know if we he don't starts. if we don't get everything correct at the feet, then the rest of the body is is has to deal with what what's incorrect, and uh that's exactly right. so yeah. Doug, as we said, Doug and I go to the gym. Yeah, we gym, go. Yeah, but, yeah. And the guy that we know is named John. He's he's he uh, he's a trainer there. Yeah, and he's a young a, guy, and he's, yeah. he's he's kind of up on some of the current strategies. Yeah. You know, yeah. So and it's weird that we can talk to him because it's kind of the same language I talk every day mm-hmm. in the work world. Absolutely, he's talking to me about it in you know, like in fitness. Like, oh, yeah. we need to keep the body in line, and we can't take this. And it's like, Th- there's a. I was like, well, that's stuff.
0: my work world too. Yeah, there's a significant overlap, though. Yeah. Do you yeah. are you a believer in like pre shift stretching programs and things like that? How do you feel about that kind of I, stuff? Do I, you, you, know, do you
1: I mean, consider that at all? The, sure. I mean, I I think that's again that's a part of the puzzle. That's another mm-hmm. piece. Like, uh, you know, I think I think stretching might be good, but also warming. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think that's that that's been that proven thing. more significant. But how do you get people to warm up their body at work? Mm-hmm. You could. You mm-hmm. could. I don't know if everyone would do it, but if mm-hmm. you did five minutes of kind of warm-up, um, and I guess stretching is one of those ways to warm up. So yeah, sure. but Maybe not
0: that that static stretching like we used <laughs> to think of back, you know, right. in, in junior high school football when the coach was uh, screaming at you to, you know.
1: Exactly. That yeah. was horrible. But I, I think all that's kind of a part of the puzzle that our safety directors and, and people who, who run companies have to kind of put together. And that's why maybe, Doug, it's kind of hard to, to get it all um, mm-hmm. wrapped around, because because maybe you should have a, a stretching a warm up program, and then maybe you should get out there and tell you know work with production on okay how do we limit the amount of vibration that these guys are exposed to, and then mm-hmm. you know maybe you should talk to somebody when they're buying the tools. Well, don't just buy the cheapest one. Can you find one that has you know better you know better ergonomic design or lower vibration? Can you do that? I don't think. And and you know, I've been on that side of the of the world and I know that you're like very rarely are you considered in, in that process. That's changed quite a bit over the years where people buy equipment or or put in a new production line or something. Safety kinda comes like after, like mm-hmm, yeah. Um after retrofit
0: safety yeah, after they exactly, throw the line together. Exactly. But mm-hmm. but I think
1: I think safety has tried to push themselves into more mm-hmm. of that process now. Mm-hmm. Especially the people who are really we're really uh, taking that uh, step proactively. And that's yeah. great. yeah. And, and that's kind of where the ergonomics thing will fit well in those companies. So the companies I work with who have real advanced programs like that, uh, the automotive world, the oh, the yeah. bigger companies where they're – if they have an ergonomic injury, they're like, okay, shut down the line. we got to figure this out. I mean, like they're mm-hmm. willing to stop production and stop making money mm-hmm. to figure out, well – how do we prevent this? So this tends to be higher-level stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's nuanced. Yeah. It's not as vis- – I mean, there's no bloodletting necessarily. So right. it's not quite like some of the other things that we deal with. So it tends to be – you see it more in companies that are a little bit more advanced in their programs like that or – I see them using them more. Okay. The, the injuries are all over. Yeah, the injuries are everywhere regardless yeah. of, you know, if you're a three-person company or a 30,000-person right. manufacturer. That I mean, anything where there is vibration,
1: there's a potential – Right. Obviously. And cumulative trauma. I mean, let's just not stick strictly yeah. on vibration. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, you're what, right, No, man. no, it's it's right. it's only it's a part of it. Like uh air tools. Okay. If we grab it, we might be hyperextending or hyper flexing mm-hmm. our, our wrist and mm-hmm. we're just contributing to that working overhead, whatever yeah. that might be. Yeah, we have that whole ergonomic thing there where we have some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the anti impact anti vibration gloves and products we sell can go into Uh, into preventing some of those issues but but also other things so
0: if we I think this is you know if we focused on ergonomic issues and perhaps things like slips trips and falls I mean if we put energy into ergonomics and slip trips and falls we could probably eliminate the vast majority (laughs) of injuries that our employees sustain I mean we fixate on things like fall protection and machine guarding and lockout tag out and And those are important. I'm not minimizing those. I mean, those are catastrophic when something goes bad. But the vast majority of stuff that hits our 300 logs, our OSHA injury logs, tend to be those overexertion, um, the the, the repetitive stress-type injuries, and those slip, trip, and fall things that, you know? I mean, I'm not sure we've got it backwards necessarily because those other things are very important, and the regulators fixate on those things. Yeah. But – Man, the things that are truly hurting our employees are not necessarily always on that log, you know? Or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think think we've just kind of overlooked a lot of those things.
1: Sometimes we call those accidents. (laughs) No, I'm serious. We look at them and we say, oh, those are accidents. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And and they may not be. Yeah, yeah. They may not be accidents. but But they look like it, you know? It's like, oh, some slip, trips, and falls are a great example. You know, yeah. oh, that was an accident. Well, mm-hmm. You know, could it have been prevented? Sure. Maybe it could have. I mean, um, it just looks like an accident. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of um, hopefully something that's getting pushed out of our system of thinking of, oh, there's pure, there's just accidents, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And addressing each type of injury in the in the way of, oh, could we have prevented that? Or could we have added to um, the protection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Interesting, man. Well, I'm sold. I'm an advocate.
0: And I'm going to be out there tomorrow doing uh, visits, looking for these ergonomic kind of stressors that I I have to admit I oftentimes overlook, you know, because I'm looking for those big ticket items too, you know. And so, but I think that's a mistake. So this has been incredibly interesting, man. If people want more information about Impacto, or if they want to get in touch with you how do they do that
1: yeah i mean the easiest way is email and that's jason at impacto.ca okay Uh, canada ca not yeah canada not 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 not.com so it's (laughs) ca for canada yeah okay um yeah and And, and the uh, website
0: how do i go check out more information yeah it's the
1: same same thing like www.impacto.ca okay simple Awesome man! Um, it's really great. Uh, I work for a really great company that's still making stuff in the U.S. and Canada, and good for you. Locally that's, owned, and so it's like uh, that's it's, cool. It's nice people to work for. Yeah, interesting. Oh, it's yeah. been
0: fascinating, man. Yeah. Thank you for coming and joining me.
1: Oh, well, thanks for thanks for getting this put together. Hopefully, though. we can
0: do it again. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear more stories, war stories, things that you've you know things that have surprised you that you found like that painting issue is interesting to me too because I work with a lot of painting operations and the pneumatic sp- you know spraying liquid spraying things like that and so yeah. again I'm going to look at that a little I was totally
1: shocked because it was a like a 20 year old female that brought it up no kidding I was like you're too young to have this happen mm-hmm. and you're talking about carpal tunnel so I mean mm-hmm. it was it was totally shocking but she wasn't the only one I mm-hmm. that didn't get deeper so I, one of the things is talk to your, talk to your people doing the job yeah. And ask them those questions. Yeah. And,
0: and don't ignore those things that we oftentimes tend not to bring forward or overlook, you yep. know, those, those kind of issues. Because going home at the end of the day or coming in in the morning and jamming your hands into a vat full of hot wax is probably <laughs> not ideal. No. You know, no, probably doesn't need to be That's not the, the solution. <laughs> right, exactly. It felt great. I tried it, you know. It felt really <laughs> good, but, uh, you know, anyway. Made, hey, made your
1: hands look better, all that kind of stuff? That's yeah. right. My hands and my, my skin is soft <laughs> and all of that's wonderful. But,
0: hey, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't thank my sponsors, which I'm supposed to do at the beginning, but sorry, guys. I I actually forgot. So. Uh, we wouldn't be listening to this episode or any episodes of What's the Hazard, for that matter, if it weren't for my sponsors, so let me let me thank John Fallowich with Fallowich Construction Services, Cheyenne Wolford at CCS Group, Custom Concrete Specialists, and my buddy Jim Covert down at the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. Uh, check them out. If you're not using any or all of those folks, you're missing out, so... Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Jason, thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Doug. It was, been, it was fun. Awesome. Cam, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And everybody, take care. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. Later. Ahura Media Production.